0: Greetings ladies and gentlemen this is Open Mike Giggle recording live from the internet Y'all know me though y'all heard my voice for a long long time So this time oh I'm coming God. back at you but I'm not coming alone The Black Prince could I be right I brought the legendary prince po 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 Is that you? World famous disc jock and bitch of the skit hip hop and then we want to grabby with Chris Rock yeah I was on a yacht, Selling down a motherfucking harbor right I interviewed the man from here in computer land. I'm asking him questions on behalf of the super fans. Yeah, because I'm one and the answers are for everybody. He got stories, so I asked for one. We having fun and laughs because he has a ton. Yeah, and like that, a podcast begun because he answered well. What had happened was... Hello, good afternoon, good evening. These things live on the internet, so people listen to them at any time. My name is Open Mike Eagle, and welcome to What Had Happened Was with our esteemed guest every week. The same person. (laughs) Every week it's the same person. The one and only Mr. Prince Paul. In the place to be. How are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm all right, man. You know, I I, I was... uh,
1: You know, it's the, well, I'm not going to say what season is because I'm not sure when this is going to air. But I've been going through, like, why am I such a loser mode? Mm. (laughs) Jesus. You know what happens, man? Every time in the same year, I review all the things I'm not doing in life. And then I come and do this podcast and realize that I have done at least one or two things.
0: You remember that you're a legend. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) Every time. Adjective for old. (laughs) It's young legends, too. (laughs) Um, Speaking of young legends... We're going to, on this episode, talk about the very first big foray into the music industry for you. Uh, The rap, unless there's something before this I don't know about. Uh,
1: uh, uh, uh,
0: The music industry as we know it. Yeah. 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 We're talking about the rap band, Stetsasonic. Ooh, now we're going back. We are, like, all the way back. Yeah, yeah, we went back, but now we're going back back way
1: back I was a teenager
0: a teenager saying. this yeah. the first y'all's first album came out in 86. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how old were you in 86 I was five most of the year and six near the end of it what? Yeah. that well, hold, was the what? first year I like I remember knowing what a year was was yeah. like 85 I think but yeah you know I'm I'm a little kid hip-hop <sighs> is still relatively young at that point too though in terms of the industry and putting out music and records, I mean, what was going on in hip hop at that time? Man, during that time, hip hop
1: was not being respected. Mm. <laughs> you know, like uh, there's a certain amount of time that I would say probably from its inception on being i guess on
0: wax Mm -hmm. to that point was it was a fad you know how many years was it when it was like on wax i mean rappers delight going forward like hip-hop is on wax now well i always like to say king tim the third but rappers delight which was the same year in 79 to 86
1: (laughs) do the math with seven years yeah yeah i mean that's young but it didn't feel like it probably because when you're young it's all relative to your age right so Man, I started DJing when I was 10 in 1977, so it seemed like it was forever because right. I was a kid, so right, that we're right. talking about almost years. So you're born years. into it. Somewhat. My early years, I was still listening to, we had a station out in New York called WBLS, mm-hmm. which was very popular with Frankie Crocker in the 70s, and then even before then, AM radio was WW, for me, WWRL16, okay. which is another black station. So it was R&B, mm-hmm. you know, saying blue-eyed soul. Was Frankie
0: know? Cracker the one who started rhyming? Like, he started, like, doing rhyming DJ stuff on the radio. Was that him? Maybe I'm thinking of some no. videos. Okay.
1: Uh, I mean, he had things that he said that rhymed. Okay. But it wasn't, like, rhythmically to right, be or anything. Right. But I will tell you something to give people a heads up. There was a guy on WWRL 16. His name was Hank Spann, and he never gets the accolades. But he was the first guy to do, like, hey, in the place, the big, you know, that voice <laughs> that you hey, That came from him, huh. you know. And all the
0: young hip-hop MCs pulled from his style. So that he's... That, so he's DJing like that on the radio. You're starting to DJ at ten. What does DJing at ten look like? I'm um, getting disc, getting called a sucker kid. <laughs> People are calling you a sucker kid. Oh, what? People called- being mean to the to the prodigy kid DJ.
1: Yeah, I remember being in the twelfth grade. I was a duck kid. That was a, that was a slang that you duck, <laughs> sucker <a> duck.
0: <laughs> Why were they so mean Things to like, you? It's like yo, fake
1: Grandmaster Flash. That's what you did as kids. You tease each other and rightfully so. I stuck with it I still got my little shirt that I had like, with, with with the name on it you uh, know? what was your what was your
0: first DJ name my first DJ name <laughs> I had a crew we'll get back into it in one second but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor DistroKid Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least a hundred of them. And now, DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats. Live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators and more basically anybody that needs access to your music there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link go to distrokid.com slash instant share drag and drop your files to upload and then you can copy and send your link right there it's free to send one gigabyte of files that's like a hundred mp3s don't put me on that Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic, O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. People
1: gonna laugh. It was called the Everready Crew. Okay, yeah, 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 up. yeah. It'd be like, oh, it's a battery DJ, <laughs> <laughs> and my DJ name was DJ Everready for like one year. Hey, that's a big year. <laughs> that first year, you had to take all of that punishment. That first year, what? Okay. It, it was horrible, and then. When you're a kid and you're 10 years old and you're DJing, you don't realize you're a kid. I know I was younger yeah. than most of the DJs and stuff, but now if I seen a 10-year-old DJ, I was
0: a child. You know? Yeah, and you'd be very supportive to him probably. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, we call him a duck or a sucker. <laughs> no kind of animal. You wouldn't call him any sort of slanderous thing. See, and that
1: goes back to the early days of hip-hop is that... Even then, it was no respect. You know, I'm like jigga, jigga. My brother's like, "What you doing, record? You
0: damaging? What Ooh. you doing? Everybody's mad at you." And you know, so are you taking tables out to the park and DJing? Are you DJing no. parties? Like, what what are you doing?
1: No. At, at the age of ten, I am in my bedroom piecing together equipment. Got you. Makeshift turntable from here, one from the home stereo, MacGyvering it so I can, you know, mix it together. Right. This is what I did, which I thought was pretty ingenious as a kid. I took uh, an old receiver from the house, mm-hmm. where people don't know receivers, an amplifier, right? Play music. And I put one turntable on the left side. Took another turntable that was kind of from another component set, put it on the right side. So uh-huh. it's left, right, and I would put the stereo in mono. So then I used the balance knob, the left, right, ah. as a mixer. That's how I went from turntable to turntable.
0: Okay. Yeah, man. And then people called you a duck. Yeah, they called me a duck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was back in the days of pause tapes with the pause button on the cassette. And yeah, I was doing everything. I was, so what were you making in the bedroom at that time? Like, Were you just working on mixes? Oh, just or? scratching. Yeah, okay. that's just like, you know. And I'd have to say, yo, I was really good.
1: At some point, by the time I got to junior high school, I was battling kids, wow. you know, and, and, I, and I was good. I was, you know, as people call it turntablism nowadays, I was with the mouth, the leg, the foot and stuff. And yeah. there's, there's footage of it, you know, it's not like I'm popping smack. All right, we're like, going to
0: need that. We're going to <laughs> we're gonna need to put that. See, we got a screen up here. We ain't got nothing on. We could have had young Prince Paul the Duck DJ. Hell,
1: suck up. duck. <laughs> got the sucker in front Scratching
0: with his kneecap. Yeah, I'm a duck kid. They call
1: me <laughs> fake Grandmaster Flash. Uh, fake Grandmaster Flash. He was like, uh, uh, went in front of everything.
0: Uh, big fake Grandmaster Flash. Uh. <laughs> So, who are you learning from? Like, self taught?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm watching. Okay. I'm watching everybody. Um, going into the parks, mm-hmm. like, you know, my grandmother's from Brooklyn, lived in Brooklyn. And so it was between watching the DJs out there. And then it was DJs in Long Island. And then, you know, you go to Queens, like in proximity to where I lived. Now I was 10 years old. Most 10 year olds had kind of like some restrictions. yeah. But we're talking about the 70s. 70s, you know, you, your mom, your parents, go ahead, go ahead. Just it, be
0: home when the street lights. Yeah,
1: home, yeah. And, and when it gets dark. And then I had an even greater It's a little more lenient for me because my mom and, well, my dad had passed away about that time. When I was nine, but my mom was an older mom, mm-hmm. and all my siblings are a lot older than me. So when you're the last kid, it's like, yeah, yeah, you can just run the streets. What, you do whatever, yeah. you know. And I wasn't bad, which was good, but I was just so focused on music and watching DJs. So I watched and watched. I w- I'd be the kid at the park. Everybody's dancing, you know, doing b boys. You know, this is back in those days, and I'm in front of the DJ watching huh. every move for hours, watching the records he's pulling out the back. Because what DJs did back in the days was they would take the records and scratch off the labels because you didn't want other DJs to bite or copy what you had. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was the thing. But what the one thing DJs didn't do which young Smart Paul watched was when they lifted the jacket in the back it was the record. <laughs> So I'm writing it down. So even though they had the joint scratch down, they didn't know what it was, they lift up the jacket and I'm close enough. I'm right on the turntable. <laughs> they so mad at you, they are looking at you, they got that's why they called you a dub. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they didn't know It so they was too focused on DJ, but I that's how I figured out most of my break beats. Okay. I couldn't afford a lot of them
0: because, you know, I'm a ten years old, I don't have a job. Right. But I knew a lot of the records early. Okay. Ten years old, DJing. So you were battling. Battling. <laughs> I know you started working with Biz Marquis. Biz used to come by the house
1: during high school. Okay. Right before I joined Stett. the end of junior high, high school, because I was 14 when I met him. Okay. And he lived further out on eastern Long Island, like Patchogue, around there, Quorum, which is far. So how far along had he gotten at that time? He was probably getting as much respect as I was getting. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny when you look at him, he was kind of a wanderer towns wherever you go, especially during that time, didn't like the other town or the adjacent town or whatever, but he was one of those guys that was accepted wherever he went, mm. probably because he was from a nondescript town that
0: nobody cared <laughs>
1: about, <laughs> you know, but, you know, he'd go to Amityville, he'd go to Wine Dance, Wine Dance is where Him's from and Groovy Chill and a lot of those guys, and he would go to Brentwood and Central Islip with EPMD and a lot, so, and he would just be accepted anywhere and everywhere. And he was rhyming everywhere? He Yeah, he was rhyming. Yeah, he was rhyming. And, he was actually real not really good, but he was good. Yeah. At some point I think he mm-hmm. got real comfortable with doing opposite opposite and, Like and, you silly stuff. Yeah, yeah, whatever. yeah. And doing all that stuff. But he had rhyme, rhymes. And I I've I, have, I have tapes of him. Not when we when he was at the house and we made tapes, because he always took the tapes. Okay. But I have tapes of him from high school. So when y'all was making tapes at the crib, like what was that like? It was just, yo, Paul, you God made me funky. Yeah. Got rock in the pocket, you know, so we uh-huh. lining up all the songs and I'm playing them. He's just
0: rhyming over them. Okay, and he would just rhyme. Like, he'd have songs he wrote or he was just coming off the head? Or... Oh, see, you're, you're a young boy, man. It was no songs, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was just
1: rhyming, you know, just like if you had a party, you know. Okay. Yo, we got to think of this. Yo, we're going to do this. Yo, Paul, let the record go. Jigga, you jigga, you boom. You know, it was just that basic and generic. Like, making records was not in the scope. Of really anybody, even though Rappers Light was out and you had whoever else was out during that time. Grandmaster Flash and Crash Crew and we're talking about early times. Records weren't really in the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just so far fetched. You know, that's like a that's like a super dream. So how did Stets Sonic end up coming together for you? Well, during the time of me. Being really nice as a DJ mm-hmm. and battling kids locally, probably when I was in the, I was probably 16, 17. I think I was in the end of the 10th grade mm-hmm. or just 11th grade, I think. Maybe, okay. Let's say 10th, 11th grade. I don't remember exactly the year. I was, like I said, heavily into battling, whatever the case is. And I'll tell you the exact moment how everything went down. I was in front of my house in Amityville riding my bicycle. I had a red Schwinn. Mm-hmm. I had green Nikes on, Cortez's with a blue stripe. I had some shorts on. I had a green, <laughs> sorry, I, had to, I, I gotta remember. I had a green BVD nylon joint, and I think I might have had a Kango on. Uh. It was during that time. Right from my house, my neighbors are from Brooklyn. they you know, where the family is from Brooklyn. They live next door. This crew from down the street, it was called the Youngblood Crew. Okay. And uh, Paul and Steve Carey, and I have to give them a lot of credit. Because they were the first ones that, you know, that would allow me in their house. And I could watch them. DJ had the big speakers uh-huh. and everything. Well, anyway, they were packing up to go to Brooklyn to do a block party. And I remember riding my bike. They're packing up. I see the speakers going. The doors are closing. Paul, you want to go? Nah, I'm just going to stay here. It was a summer day. I'm just yeah. riding my bike, going in circles and stuff. <laughs> and then last minute, the last second, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. And I can see them pull up. yo, yo, hold it. Yo, mom. Yeah, I'm going to Brooklyn with Charles Mitchell and Mitchell and Steve Carey. And da, da, da. I'm going to the to, to do a block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I hop in the van and then we go to our projects in Brooklyn. I think it was might have been Brevoort. I can't remember exactly. And What where. year was this though? 85?
0: Uh, I
1: was I was probably going into it was probably the end of the eleventh grade. Okay. I'm guessing. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to figure. It out. Either either end of tenth, eleventh. I think the eleventh grade. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, in the van. We go to this place and it's a block party. I didn't know it was going to be a block party, but with other DJs, so it was other setups. So we at the same time, at the same time. That uh. that that was the cool thing. Oh man, I wish I could take you onto a time capsule and go back in the day because because since there was no like now you can go on internet, you can go magazines. Hip hop was just so it was. Not accessible, right? And if you go back even further, you had this research. The only way you knew there was a party or something going down was either a flyer, which was occasional, occasionally, or you hear you would hear it, and you go and you follow on the bike where the music is coming from. And once you left it, you couldn't get it again. You know what I'm saying? Like you only got take it with you. You Couldn't take it with
0: you. It wasn't like on the radio everywhere.
1: No. Nope, nope. So it was just so. So every time you heard anything, your, your heart would just race, and you just hear echo, yeah, yo, yo, yo. Like, ah, ah, and you just kind of run to it, you know? So with that being said, that was kind of the concept back in the days. Yeah. If you, you know, sometimes it was multiple DJs. There was always the Jamaican DJ <laughs> who blew out everybody. They, they made their own speakers, they had right. mad bass and power. So whenever there was a situation, that usually was the case. But in this case, it was like maybe two other DJs on the block. Maybe two on the far end, maybe we were in the center. Just I don't remember exactly.
0: So I'm DJing. <laughs> you DJing. You're not prepared. You're not going to this thing thinking you're gonna DJ. Oh, of course. Anytime okay. I seen a DJ said I tried to DJ, I would go in
1: other people's parties like, yo, can I get on? Yo. With they with they crates and just go through. Oh yeah. Wow. So you got you got this, you got that, you got Buffalo gals, you got did whatever they had. I knew my routine. Now, the turntables might have always been a little suspect because you don't know if the needles will stick or whatever right. cases, but I was always wanting it. always, it would itch. It's almost like a dope fiend. Like, I got to get on. I got to get on. I got to get on. So, same thing. I'm, I'm DJing. I'm doing the tricks with the legs. People are gathering around now. Uh, nigga. Because like I said, I'm, I'm a young kid with an ego. Right, like, right, right I'm, like, right. I'm like, yo, I'm nice. Right? <laughs> right, I'm doing all the tricks. I'm like, ah. And at some point, during that, that's when Stetsasonic rolled up. Okay. And so there was already a crew. Well, I'll tell you who was in the crew. First of all, I'll tell you the impression I got. Mm-hmm. I'm DJing. I'm like, yeah. All of a sudden, I hear in the back, yo, that's him. I'm like, oh, I'm in Brooklyn. I don't get beat up. <laughs> yeah, you know that, that don't sound
0: good. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yo, that's him.
1: I look up. It's Daddy-O. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: Daddy-O's a short guy. Right. But he's like the short boss.
1: Yeah, 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 I mean, he's yeah. Like he, top cat. Yeah, he is like top cat. Yeah, that's exactly. But he was top cat with braids. Okay, <laughs> he had
0: the long like the cornrows. Rick James joints. His oh, was okay. long with beads on it. Whoa, spikes. Okay, okay. So this is like Furious Five. Yeah, type, yeah. Type, oh, like yeah. dressed like He Man yeah. kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. With the spikes and you know and delight Leather vest or something. Yeah, yeah, delight.
1: I think might have, might have had a vest, but spiked around his neck. You know, like just, the Royal Warriors. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah, this. Yeah, See, yeah. that's what I miss, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, the leather hat, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then I think Wise was always dressed cool. He might have one set of spikes, but he didn't you know, always <laughs> like Kazals and, you know, Why well, you ain't Warren. got more spikes, Wise? <laughs> <laughs> it was them three, and they had a guy named, I think his name was Supreme. He was like the other MC before Fuquan. Okay. And they was like, yo. I'm like, yeah, they're like looking at me and they're like, yo, nigga coming around me. I'm like, oh man, what's going down? And it's like, we're looking for
0: a DJ. Uh, and and you were like mid-spinning at the time, or had you stopped? Or I I, I probably stopped and somebody okay. else got on to take a break. They're gotcha. like, yo,
1: we're looking for a DJ, man. You dope. And whatever, fresh might have been the slang. Of course. Back then. Of course. Hey, Fred, you're down by law. <laughs> whatever the slang was, right? So they're like, yeah, man, we're looking for a DJ. And he's like, yo, we just won the Mr. Magic Rap Attack contest in Coney Island. Uh-huh. And we got a deal with Sugar Hill. And I was like, oh, yeah? And just like, yeah, man. And they're just going on, man, nice. Da-da-da. I'm like, you know, in my head, I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the only time in history you would ever see me cocky. Um, you know what I'm saying? Because I knew where I, I practiced. It was tight. And, oh, I practiced a lot. And I was... Annihilating cats. I didn't have the power with the speakers, but skillfully, yeah. I was good back then for to, for those days' standards, right? I'm like, yeah, so we exchange information. I'm familiar with the area because my grandmother lived maybe like a mile away from mm-hmm. them. Daddy-O lived in East New York. My grandmother lived in, in Brownsville, which is horrifying. We're talking
0: about the 80s. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you're talking about crack. Era like We're talking about crack wild. guns. Yeah. We
1: talk about the yo, ah, oh, it was it was hard, but that's the days when guys would come and when you had gold teeth would take a hammer and come up behind it, God, knock your teeth out and steal your gold teeth. Damn. Yo, it was it was real? It was really real. Like, I seen kids play with steak knives in the courthouse in the projects, like chasing each other. So it was little stuff <laughs> like that. So I was familiar with the area.
0: That's what grave diggers
1: came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the living dead. You know? So we exchanged information. They invited me out. You know, went to Daddy-O's place. He lived on New Lots Projects in Brooklyn. Went to his house, and we just got along. Just the same day?
0: No, nah, this is this oh, is probably within like a couple weeks. A okay, week or so weeks. you went back to the crib, and then yeah. So how did y'all keep in touch? I remember you telling me back then it was kind of wild how y'all had to keep in touch.
1: Okay, now mind you, there's no cell phones. right? And there's one phone in the house. And if if it wasn't the phone, and I don't even think that had a phone in his house. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> we, we, he'd mail me. Like he would he, send you a letter in he, the mail. He would send me a letter. Now mind you, snail mail is gonna take a minute, you yeah. know what I'm saying, to get to you. Yo, this is how the show's gonna go. Paul gonna come up top, you're gonna zing and zinger. the Wise is gonna, so. Wow. And I still have those letters. That's crazy. I still have those letters, man. And he would outline what the show would be like, or what's gonna happen. But even before then, like I said, I went to his house. We met. We, we got along. They told me they were making, yeah, we're going to make a record. I'm like, I don't care about no record. I just want to DJ. Like, as I said before, making a record is so out of pocket.
0: Right. You it's, know not, you? it's not what anybody around you is doing. No. Like, you know, nobody. people are practicing things. People are rocking out at jams. Yeah. But, like, the industry is just far off. Oh, yeah. Just to paint the picture. What rap is cracking on the radio at the time? Who was on in the industry? Houdini. Houdini. Because I remember listening to Escape a lot during the early step years. Fat Boys.
1: Okay. I remember it was pretty popular. Obviously, Run DMC was probably is during right after Rockbox. It so was, they're the big King still. of Rock. This yeah. one higher. That was probably out during that time or just about to come out. L.O. Cool J had just came out with, I need a beat.
0: Was a a long little, time so, ago. so yeah, so just it's like Def Jam artists and you know, maybe a couple other labels, but it ain't that many. Yeah, Def Jam like, was like one deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what
1: I'm saying? it was Tila Rock, and then there was L.O. Cool J. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And you know, <laughs> it was very shallow. Damn.
0: So. Y'all start connecting. Yeah, you go back over to Brooklyn. Yeah, and y'all start working on what it's gonna be. I mean, they already got a rap crew, so they already got songs, right? Well, not really. They kind of have routines. Routines, okay. You know
1: what I'm saying? It was wise at this time that guy Supreme was no longer there. I didn't see him anymore. And I remember, they were looking for another MC. And like I said, later on, that's when Fuquan came in. and Later on, DBC came in, who's a devastating B creator. But yeah, at that point, when I was there, it was just you know routines and stuff and we got to get something together to make a record. And Mm -hmm. I don't know nothing about making records. Making records is not even in my stratosphere. All I want to do is just DJ. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just love music. I love spinning. I thought I was the best in the world. Mm -hmm. I just want everybody to see me. You know what I'm saying? I just want the tricks. And they're talking about records. I'm like, records? And they're talking about a demo. And I'm like, what's a demo? Mm. Like that's, you know, there's no information. Like I going in a demo, Right. nobody's talking about making demos. I'm like what's a demo? Like I had no clue of anything until at some point, And I can't remember exactly when it's probably within the first year, definitely within the first year of me meeting them is we end up recording in a studio. It was like a 16 track, eight track studio, something mm-hmm. in Brooklyn to make a demo. Like, yeah, hey, make it a demo. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, so I, mean, I don't know what the studio was like. Right. I know nothing. You know, as knowing nothing is possible, right. you could know nothing. I'm just green. And I'm scratching, and we're making a demo for Jesse Stett. Okay. And at this point, Fuquan had joined the group. DBC had made the BD program. He was from upstate New York. He had joined, and we're in the studio. And like I said, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on at all. I'm just, like, happy to be there. Right. And we make this demo. Something happened with the Sugar Hill thing. Apparently, it was a bad deal. Which right. is, surprise, surprise, <laughs> surprise. Right. We make this demo, and then it gets to Tommy Boy. Okay. We had two songs. It was Rock de la Stet, mm-hmm. and it was Jesse Stet. And Rock de la Stette, I'm not actually on there. And back then, just to let you know, my name was DJ Paul. It wasn't D- Prince Paul. Then. Okay. I changed from DJ Everready to to DJ, DJ Paul. Paul somewhere in junior high school. <laughs> so. <laughs> I get this call, I might get a letter.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right?
1: (laughs) telegram or some shit. You know, that, man, we got to deal with Tommy Boy. We got to go sign. I'm like, all right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, I don't know what that is. Right. Are you talking to your family about this at that point? Yeah. Like you're going back and forth to Brooklyn. You're in studios. Like, are you telling what are they saying? Well, my mom's always been super supportive, man. God rest her soul. Like
1: she's always been like when my brother went to kick in my speakers and and everything else, my mom was always like, yo, you know, do what you got to do, you know, and she endured me blasting music. Big giant speakers in the house, two in the morning, house rumbling. Mm. But Steck came to my house. I'm skipping that. Before we even got to that point, because I'm a kid, mm-hmm. so they had to meet my family. So we invite them to the house to Long Island. Right. Did they all come? I, I, me- I remember definitely Daddy-O Delight came. Maybe Wise might have came. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really foggy to me. But I remember them being in my house, my my brothers there, my sister, and everybody, and I remember them telling my family in general, but kind of looking at my mom's like, you know, Paul's a genius. Uh-huh. And I remember, I could remember it was Cleveland. My family was like, Paul?
0: <laughs> R. Paulie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like, Paul, oh, Like, a genius. And
1: then, like, <laughs> they, you know, it was like kind of baffling like him. I was probably the most least likely to succeed in my family. So, <laughs> so, you know, all I did was DJ, you know what I'm saying, and didn't care about school or anything else. So I think that kind of surprised him. So, yeah, my, my family was there, and they were very supportive, except my brother. Yeah, he wanted to kick his speakers in. Oh, my brother, you know, he gave me this thing. He gave me this long talk about how hip-hop, was a waste of time and Uh it was going to die and I was need to do better things. And, you know, just, just basically, you know how I said I, I sit down and talk about how I'm a low life at the end of the year and stuff? Well, he really kind of he baked that into oh, you at an early age. Yo, he was just all on me. <laughs> oh, you waste your time. Look, Mr. Magic, he was the DJ on the radio. Look, you don't have a show anymore. It's dying. Ain't nothing going to happen. You need to get uh. your life together and you, you stress a mom out. So, <laughs> well, she made it through the rain. No, but it was a motivation because I was like, yo, I'm going to show him. It really helped. So... Fast forward back to stat. So now we're at this point where we're signing a record deal. And I have no idea what it And it is. It
0: doesn't mean anything to you at that point.
1: It doesn't. I don't know what it is. Right. Records. Okay, I know what they are. I have them. I love them. I, you know, looked at labels day in, day out. So you don't know anything about the business of making music. Uh, No, no. I'm a kid. Right. I think when I signed, I remember going to sign in at Tom Silverman's house. Or, I don't know where we're at at the time. I don't I remember. But I think I probably was even eighteen at the time, so you didn't probably legally couldn't. No, nah, but I signed it anyway. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, daddy Yo, said, yeah, man. My friend, the lawyer, looked at the contracts, so that's how we started. Right. We started out with the, you know, the the lawyer from around the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, looked at it. So that tells you we were getting to something that wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that sound of an agreement, and that's where it started. It's yeah. like, yo, I'm making a record. We're gonna re-record Jesse Stet. And we did it in Tom Silverman's house.
0: At his house. He had a studio in his yeah, house? Yeah, a
1: studio in his house. Mm. Yeah. And I'm looking like, oh. So I know the records I'm going to cut. So I brought like three records to scratch on the record. And I remember Tom Silverman lit into daddy on all. I am like, what kind of DJ you got? Mm. Oh, only oh, brought three records. He was just talking about how whack I was. And everything that kind of like was- in front of you. Oh, in front of me. Because <laughs> oh. I'm a kid. Yeah. You know, nobody- let me tell you something. The basis of even though i uh, uh, I'm supposed to be a genius, being young only gets you but so far in the respect. True, true. You know what I'm saying? It's like just when they right. look at yeah, they look at you as a kid like, ah, oh, he's a kid. And These are grown men. Everybody's in there, got families and kids and in the mid-20s. And I'm fresh out of high school or in high school uh-huh. at the time. So yeah, he's just getting on me. Oh man, that's all the records you bring. Daddy, he calls the DJ, and da-da-da-da. Man. Listen to them cuts on Just Say <laughs> They were ahead of their time. We're talking about in 85 that single came out. They were ahead of their time because I was so freaking heated and I'm nice. Let's play a little
0: <laughs> bit of Just Say Stat. I don't know when the cuts happened specifically, but.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, they're, they're later on. i in paint
0: the paint a little picture. Is that you? Yeah, that's, okay. but, but
1: that's not a good example. <laughs> <laughs> just to let you know that was uh, making a record.
0: we on to fire to express. I'm not the to catch the picture at Hannah what we do best. You see the mock gives a job. The rappers are Ryan from the slumber. We came in a rock. For that's a different time. Who that steady? What about this time? Yeah, Jesse Statin Woo, I was a kid. So just talk about just say stet. Because I know, like in the song, I talk about if you can't say the whole thing, just say stet. Like, so were people having a hard time
1: saying stetsasonic? Yeah, we get step steppasonic. <laughs> you know, it was everything except Sonic. Then it was like stetson, like the hat Sonic. And they mm-hmm. go, oh, okay. Oh, is that where it came from? Yeah. When I met them. It was like, yeah, man, Stetson, like Stetson Hats, you okay. know. Um, Did y'all wear Stetson Hats with n- the spikes? And- <laughs> n- no, th- no, that that was Daddy-O and, and okay. Delight and, you know, in the early days. Daddy-O and Delight are the founders of Stetson Sonic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though I talk about Daddy-O and his, his height, or I <laughs> mentioned earlier, I used to look up to Daddy-O. Yeah. Like, like, he was, to me, like the Alpha and Omega of everything. He was the chief, yeah. Yeah, and, and he was very charismatic, which he still is. Yeah. But when you're young and he's that charismatic, like, oh. Yeah. When you're older, you look a little more like eye. You can see through it. <laughs> <laughs> Some of it. You know what right. I'm saying? It's still right with them in most occasions. Some of them are like, bye, man. <laughs> but as a kid, I'm like, oh, it's like watching Reverend Ike. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you're like, oh. Now I'm sure my age said Reverend Ike. But I'm like, yeah. You know? But yeah, he's always been that way. And getting back to the song, yeah,
0: we made that record. And it came out. So that was the first single signed to Tommy Boy was Just Say stead. Was Just Say How was it received? It got a little buzz,
1: you know, yeah. in New York. Back then, it's like, you know, Marcus, man, we're hitting in Cleveland. <laughs> and then to skip over to Saskatchewan, you know, it, it was always like, you know, it had its
0: areas, right. you know. And that was like radio reports or like people buying it? or Yeah, it was all of the above. Okay.
1: And I remember the first time I got played on radio. I think, it, I don't know which station, I think Mr. Magic, somebody played it. And I was like, yo. Um, I remember, mom, the records on the radio. Ah! <laughs> and i turn on the radio loud in the house. Of course, it's late at night because they yeah, weren't yeah. playing during the daytime. Right. And it was a big deal. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, my God, I got, I got a, I actually made a record. I didn't
0: get any money. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, so you didn't get any money and y'all signed a deal that somebody cousin read over first. <laughs> How, like in retrospect, like, was it really like, is it a bad deal? Like, or was it kind of like the normal kind of bad at the time? I have no idea. Okay, I've yet. I don't have a copy of the contract. <laughs> I
1: right? rock with that for three albums, right? Hey, man, look—the th- contract right now could say that Paul is signed to us till he's like sixty, <laughs> and I could still be beholden <laughs> still to this be. because I have—I don't have a copy of it. I have no idea what I signed. Wow. I, you know, what I'm saying, like, I was that young, and information wasn't out there because anybody who was getting jerked to sign a contract weren't sharing they were getting jerked and signed a yeah, contract.
0: Yeah, yeah. Where now people. Are go online like in know share their stories was it sound enough to carry y'all through the business of three albums like was it ever a problem whatever the contract situation was yeah i mean if you talk to daddy yo he would have more insight to it because Mm -hmm. like i said him
1: and delight were older and they were leaders of the group and was always the ones to talk to the lawyers and everything but all i know is i got a statement from tommy boy recently and for all the records we made and i don't remember them costing that much to make I know we're way in the red. It's <laughs> something like, and I'm exaggerating it, but it might be, it might be like Stetsonico's Time Boy Million Dollars. You know, it's just something just like we like what it's it took
0: astronomical.
1: Ten grand to make one album, one whatever. The, the video costs five grand. The manufacturing, and you try to piece it together. And you're like, how does it come up to us owing all this tour support? You know, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be half recoupable and put like this. When we did the first album, which was on fire, which you know followed Jesse stat. Mm-hmm. I remember when I got my, it's the first check I got. Now, my, we're doing shows and stuff. So I was making like $100 here, you know, Latin quarters, you know, certain places we were spinning at, disco fever, playing mm-hmm. at. But my first check that I got from On Fire, I remember was, I was like $600. Mm. And I remember getting, I was like, oh, I got $600. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, when you're a kid. It wasn't like
0: huge, huge, but it was like, I could buy me a VCR. It was real money. Like you could take that back home and like look. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, no, I couldn't really do that, but
1: <laughs> especially back in the days like, yo, Buffy from the Fat Boys got a Cadillac and oh, LL okay, J right. got a big chain. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I knew it was piddly in the in where I was at. But like I said, I was able to buy a VCR. I, 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 you know, I didn't have one. I bought one from JCPenney. It was, it was on the uh, it was a display model <laughs> with a wired remote. <laughs> <laughs> and i just threw it away about a year ago wow yeah i had it for a long time and so i bought that and i think i bought like a turntable or turntables because turntables back then were expensive they were like 250 dollars mm-hmm. the techniques 1200s so there it is 500 for two and then uh the vcr which was on the shelf probably for almost 100 dollars, because mm-hmm. vcrs were, more, were pretty expensive back then And that's what i made and i'd never expected to get more signing those contracts And making the records that we made initially, I never took seriously. Mm -hmm. Because I never saw music industry making records as a real viable career or source of income. I took the music seriously, Mm -hmm. but I never saw myself in a situation of ever making a living. Like, my thing was, I'm going to go and take the civil service test and become a postman and get me a job, ride the little truck, and deliver the mail, and... Give me an apartment and a car. Right. And baby maybe a girlfriend. You, you know? know what I'm saying? I wind up going to college during time, during stat during the time we're making those records. Um, I graduated from college, but I I'll tell you the funny thing about going to college, I remember telling Delight, and I had told him this recently. Like, I remember I was like, yo, Delight, man. Uh, cause I just graduated high school. I was like, yo, I'm going to go to college. He's like, go to college. <laughs> <laughs> go to college, man. Man, you can't go to college. That about to blow up. <laughs> I was wise enough, you know, to go, nah, I'm still going go to go. <laughs> cause school, you know, I was poor enough that I got enough grants and stuff to get my college paid for. Yeah. So I was able to, uh, go to college and graduate. And I took audio engineering and management, business management, because I thought at some point I wanted to become an audio engineer, Mm -hmm. which I realized I didn't want to become one. Cause I realized producing is a lot better than, <laughs> <laughs> to tell everybody what to do. Though I passed the class okay. and I, and I learned some things, but you know, come on, man. Like, you know, the, the cardioid microphone, the pattern and the frequency and the ratio. And if you have a, a delay of a quarter, you know, you're like, oh, the megahertz it. It wasn't just hands on turn the knobs. It was so much theory technical. Yeah. yeah, And we're talking about the days of tape, aligning tapes mm-hmm. and getting frequencies right and making
0: sure. And, and you spend editing. all that money and time learning that can't even use it now. Nah. <laughs> nah.
1: nah. You know, you know what it all boiled down to? How that sound. <laughs> <laughs> how that sound? All right. Turn it up, how that sound. I mean right. there's certain things you can get to quicker from theory. Okay, this is a quarter note, da, 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 and you just go right there. But a lot of you just turn it up, how that sound. How'd I sound? Right. how that sound? Okay. And you know what, there are certain things too. Okay. Compressor does this, gate does that. They don't have, you, you don't use gates anymore, but there's so many, you know, the equipment, you know it, how to get around mm-hmm. it. But yeah, I, long story. I went to school, but Delight told me I shouldn't go to college, but just because I didn't really take the music as a career. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like rap records for the fat boys and run DMC and, yeah. and Houdini. It's not, it, it, you know. I only see $600. It's making $100 a show. How could I possibly see a future in it? Right. I got an album out, and we did a tour called the Def Jam Tour. I'm on tour, and I'm writing home, and I still have the letters. And I wrote
0: back to my mom. And this is after the first album came out? This, this are going on
1: this tour? We we'll going on this tour. It's called the Def Jam Tour. Who else on this tour? Oh, man. See, touring and shows were great back then. Right. Oh, my God. These are big shows. Man, yeah, it, it was called the Def Jam Tour. LL Cool J was headlining it was houdini it was jazzy jeff and the fresh prince it was obviously statics public enemy wow. was, was opening what a night let me see who else on some dates we had boogie down productions would be there on the west coast it was too short before it became too short uh-huh. on some of the dates N.W.A. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So, it was... it was. How big are these places that y'all oh, are playing? Oh, I'm playing at Madison Square Garden. Play I'm playing Madison
0: Square Garden as a teenager?
1: Yo. We're talking about all the big arenas. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm know. a teenager and I'm on the road and I know nothing. Mm. I am green. I don't... I Look, I barely had a girlfriend in high school. It's like, hey, how you doing? Hey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm so, and now I'm in places where women are running around in hotels. The hotels are being bombarded. Like, put like this... You ever see, like, a protest on TV? That's the front of the hotel. Wow. The down lobby. It was the days when people threw TVs out the windows. You
0: know what I'm saying? It was just like, ah! Oh, just wrecking the hotel room. room. It was rambunctious. You ever wrecked a hotel room? No, no. (laughs) No. What's the wildest thing you did in a hotel room that you can talk about on microphones?
1: The wildest thing I did in the hotel room was get... Kicked out of my room because somebody got a girl in the room. <laughs> and I'm stuck downstairs in the in the lobby as I've always been. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> then I go back upstairs. Oh, they did it on my bed. Oh. That's... <laughs> I'm downstairs with the girl whose friend is upstairs with whoever. I'm not gonna blow anybody up. Right, right, right. You know? And I'm d- down there like so. So you really, you you like, you like literature and what (laughs) class you taking pre-calculus and now this is two in the morning. And I'm like, you know, with small talk, oh I'm not getting any God. rhythm. I'm a kid. <laughs> I'm a kid and I'm only the DJ. Remember, right. the DJs really didn't get no oh, love like true, that. true, 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 At that point, you know, it was all about the MCs. Unless you're like Jazzy Jeff or somebody,
0: right. you know what I'm saying? But, somebody on display. Somebody yeah. whose name is in the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, you know, I'm
1: just Prince Paul from Stetside to DJ. Guy was in the back. <laughs> you know, So you were writing home. Yeah. What letters were you writing Oh, to? I was writing. This this shows how much money I was getting. It was like, Mom. I'm sending you $75 to put in my bank account. (laughs) Mom, here's $150 to put towards my... You were sending cash? I was sending cash. Wow. Yeah. It was dumb to think about it now. (laughs) (laughs) A little fat envelope. (laughs) It was dumb to think about, but yeah, I was sending cash, man. And I was like, yo... Cause I, I bought a Ford EXP, which was a two seater, and I got a good deal on it because the engine was blown. <laughs> <laughs> but check it out, the engine was blown, so I sent my mom home the money so she saved to me so I could buy a new engine. By the time I got off tour, <laughs> which I did, got I got a brand new engine. Well, it was a used engine, of awful car that was in a wreck. It was like, a, it, anyway, long story.
0: So I had, you know, by the time I got home, I was able to get my car fixed. You know? So at that point, though, you're on this. Big tour, you're making enough money to send home. You're still not taking it serious, like, no. oh, this can be my career. Look. Did I just tell you I sent
1: $75 home <laughs> and $150 home? My first shows, I was getting like $100. And because I was the youngest, there was times I wouldn't even get paid. I remember there was— They would
0: just—like the crew would just take your money? Well, like
1: oh, I don't want to get into detail, but I'll get into detail. I, would, <laughs> I remember doing a show, and it was like, yeah, Paul, because I lived in Long Island, I would go home, and sometimes, you know, in order to catch the train or whatever, or a lot of times I was driving, settle with the promoter late. I'll get it next time I see you guys. Uh,
0: hey, Paul,
1: man. I had to use that money for something. Dang. I'm gonna get you the next the, the, the next gig. Then you know, next to come around, can I get more money?
0: I told you I get your money, man. <laughs> I'm getting yelled at. Yeah. Quit asking me about yeah. your money.
1: <laughs> One time I got counterfeit money, I went to the bank. What? I'm like, yeah, I got my money from this gig. But this is back in the days of five hundred dollar bills, you do stuff yeah. you don't see anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. I might have had one $500 bill because it was all accumulated. Mm-hmm. Paul's all we owe you. And it came out. It probably like 10 shows was $500 or something. <laughs> and I had it. And all of a sudden, I see the girl in the background at the bank.
0: Oh, and they talking talk to each other. Oh, uh, what a horrible
1: feeling. It's counterfeit. And I'm like, yo, man, you can me counterfeit bill. Hey, man, I'm sorry about that, brother.
0: That's it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, dumb. Mm. So, so there are some obstacles to you thinking of this as a real career. And like
1: I said, it's being young, man. Like, look, it was beautiful being in that group, but being the youngest, I got dissed a lot. You Because, know, you know, you get treated as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know? Boy, you scared of girls. Look at him. He, you ask him if she wants some candy. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ta- take his room. <laughs> <laughs> Pull down the lobby. By the time that... You know, I could get any type of rest is sleeping on the bus, mm. on, on the on the tour bus. You know, because I'm downstairs lobby the whole time entertaining the girlfriend. <laughs> 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 you know, yo, it, it, like I said, so looking back, no, I didn't see it as a career. I didn't see the cash part of it. I did hardly seen the creative part of it because, like I said, I was getting. Oh, you know, oh, he's a kid. Mm. Yeah. We respect him. He's dope, but he's a kid. You know, so and that's how I felt, you know, I was getting it was it was not
0: fun in that regard. We're going to talk about that a little bit more, but we're going to take a quick break. Well, what had happened was. Welcome back. Open Mike Eagle here still with our esteemed guest every week. The one and only Mr. Prince Paul. Uh huh. Uh huh. We talked about Sonic. for people listening to this. Now, is there a way to describe like how big Sonic was like if you used. Current artist or any any sort of metric you can think of. Oh,
1: who would be the Sonic as far as like popularity of yeah. today?
0: Uh, who's an artist that has an impact? Because remember, Stetsonic was the first hip hop band before the roots. You know what? And we should before you even answer that other question, we should talk about that. Because if you listen to these albums, like y'all go hard with that. Like we are the hip hop band, you know, talking all that jazz, you know. What is it that made it the hip hop band?
1: Well, we were the first group that encompassed. We had a DJ, which was myself, mm-hmm. a human beatboxer, the human mix machine, which was wise. DBC, the devastating beat creator, who would play the keyboards and that mm-hmm. drum machine. And then later on, about a year after we did the first album, Bobby Simmons joined the group and he okay. was a live drummer. Okay. So, you know, as far as like hip hop band, those are hip hop elements. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, it, so it's not like the Roots got a bass guitar You know, they're like a band band. Right. But we're like hip hop elements of a band. Right. And, I, you know, I could probably say that that was probably an influence on them for sure. You know, I mean, it's well, not influence the blueprint right, for what they do. And, and later when you see hip hop bands, we were the blueprint for that. So it was, it was a
0: first. So that, that was, that was cool. How was that received by people? You know, when you're coming from hip hop in some ways is a response to not having instruments you know what i mean and people chopping up music and making it however it is they can make it so y'all are adding the musical element the live element back into it and how are people receiving it well on wax we still did it the old-fashioned hip-hop way sample loops we'll
1: play some live drums over it and stuff mm-hmm. but on stage you couldn't mess with us. That's one thing I could say, like, about the chemistry of such a song. Like, I could sit here and it's like, oh, man, I wasn't making much money. Da, da. But I have had so much fun. Mm-hmm. Like, that was some of the best times in my life, especially live. Mm-hmm. Because, man, you're thinking about a time where people go on stage, it's just turntables and the rapper. And we're talking about in a big arena. Right. Madison Square may- Garden. Yeah. Maybe you got some dancers in the back to do it. <laughs> you know, some steps or whatever. You know, maybe an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... When you got a stage full, because there's six people, so that's part of the reason why I didn't get paid that much, but a lot to divvy up. When you got like a drummer on a riser, DJ on the left, keyboard on the right, human beatbox going around with the three MCs, it's a lot to look at on the stage, and it's a lot to feed off each other. And we were annihilating people. Mm -hmm. You know, we might not have had the most popular record, but we're giving people a run for their money. So for a band, that didn't have a record that we would go from town to town that everybody knew you know and that was a lot of places like people didn't know some of the songs Mm -hmm. we would leave such an impression or make the songs that much energetic live on stage that at the end he was like yo Mm -hmm. and that was our thing was just winning people over like where we fell short maybe in record sales or in marketing we definitely made up on stage and it's always fun to rock with those guys man You've rocked one them recently even. Yeah. We went to the Netherlands. Uh, wow. We did a, We did a show and <laughs> yo. Yeah. It's funny. Cause everybody
0: is old. <laughs> Dur. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, what is it like? I mean, this is 30 years later.
1: I don't get locked out my room. <laughs> I'll tell you that. that don't happen, no more. You know what I'm saying? It's funny. It's still the same dynamic. Like really? to me, I still feel like I'm the little kid of the group. Like, Dude, I'm like 52. You know what I'm saying? I'll be right. 53 next year. So it's like, yeah, I'm a grown man, but if you see me around them, it's like, I'll just get quiet. <laughs> I'll just watch it. I feel like I'm in the exact same person I was when I was a kid, except I take less
0: shorts. You know what yeah, I'm you, saying? Yeah, you learned a few things. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. They can't, they can't give you the $50 nah, at nah, the end of the tour nah, no more. it, it
1: don't work. Like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I take less shorts, but I still give them the same respect. To me, daddy Delight, is still my older brother's Wise is like my sibling, close to my age. Yeah. And, you know, Fruquan, same thing. You know, I, I give them all that respect. And, and I'd say especially daddy and Delight because, you know, they paved the way for me. You mm-hmm. know, I've learned, whether it was by getting dissed or whether it was by <laughs> actually sitting and learning something good or bad i've got
0: something from it that took me propelled me into the future so I'll, I'll always give them that credit what do you think is like a lesson you learned in the music business that you could definitely say i learned this lesson from my time with stessa society i would say one big lesson is and it's gonna sound really
1: cheesy and hairy fairy but is believe in yourself you know what i'm saying like there were times where you know I would do stuff, and especially in the group, and I would feel as though it would wasn't getting the due respect, or mm-hmm. you know my ideas were getting shot down. Which, as an artist, you're gonna be insecure anyway, so you, you're gonna come on, you're an artist. You know, right. there, there's times of doubt. There's times where you're like, yo, you know, you dope, but sometimes, like, right? So I'm young, and I got the, you know, I'm not getting not much money. I'm just the DJ, and I say that to describe how it seemed as though I'm just the DJ in the group, you know, doing some music, but that person. So constantly getting pushed, push, push, push to like question yourself. Hmm. You know, am I, am I really, am I that whack? I'm going to studio. Hey, they're like, uh, nah, that's good Paul. Yo, I got these scratches. No, nah, 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 do this. You know? And, and I'm like, me, my ideas are whack. And you know, hence De La Soul was my way of kind of telling myself I'm not whack. I guess I am okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so if I would have given up based upon other people's perception of me, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. Mm-hmm. I would have just gave up. But it was me going through, am I whack? No, I'm not whack. Mm-hmm. You know, And trying to see it to the end. Until I hit a, a sign in the road that says, whack. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? And it says stop right oh, there. And then there's in red, like a stop sign. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm going to end. But until that point.
0: You I'm, had to be real bold to keep going past that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah that, that's when you're delusional. You know what, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying? So I kept going, 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 going. And I was, you know, I was like, wow, okay, I'm not that bad.
0: I I am, you know, my, my ideas were all right, you know? So you started working with Dayla. It looks like if you look at the timelines, while y'all are making the second album. Yes. You start working with Dayla. Yeah. Yeah. I took Dayla with me to the studio so they could watch and so they could learn. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So how was it thought of by the people in Stessa Sonic that you were like moving on and doing other projects?
1: I don't think they really thought twice of it then because De La Soul had just started. Mm-hmm. their kids, too. Mind you, a year, a couple years younger than me. Right. So they're super kids. Right. You know what I'm saying? And since there's no success involved, it's no harm. Right. And it's not like I'm like, yo, boy, we got some scratches doing the studio. Where's Paul? Man, he's with them kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it didn't affect it either way. It was almost like one of those things like, Oh, Paul has a little friends. He's let him do his playtime. Right? You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying they thought that, but that's what it kind of felt like. Like, uh, oh, they're cute. Look at them. You know what I'm saying? All playing together,
0: learning stuff until it became real. Right. So, because, you know, y'all come out, you know, a big single with me, myself, and I, like, you know what I mean? Like, this, it starts becoming something that I'm sure they can't just ignore. It's a big deal. And it's Tommy Boyd's the same label, Yeah. you know, which we talked about. We will talk about. Are you starting to see attitude in the group or are they starting to look at you or treat you any different because you got something that's actually successful happening outside of the group?
1: No, like that, that's one thing I have to say about at least not in front of my face mm-hmm. or not anything I could detect. Because I always played my part instead. Like, right. I, I, you know, I didn't go up there, yeah, I'm Prince Paul walking in, like, you know, I got, blah, 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 and just like, you know, come with a fur, right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Some big diamond rings. Right. Like, what y'all doing today? <laughs> you know, I, there's nothing like that. I played my part, you know, like I said, I told you, even today, you know, uh, when we had the show set, like, I'm still a kid. I'm quiet. I said, back, what do you want me to do? Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. yes, sir. No, sir. Okay. Can I raise my hand? Yeah, I got, a, I got an idea. So I played my part. I think what made it weird is the people from the outside. Right. Because I'll give you an example, and I don't know if Daddyo remembers this, but we did a show called What's Up, Dr. Ruth. Remember oh. Dr. Ruth? Yeah. She had a show. It was for kids. For kids. And they had they invited L.O. Cool J, and they invited Stetsasonic. What the hell does she have a show for kids for? Yeah. So I, I got, I got it on VHS. You might, if, maybe for YouTube, it you might find it. It's called what Up, What's Up, Dr. Ruth. L.O. Cool J, Stetsasonic. So anyway, they had a, a part where... They were filming and it was like, any questions? Yeah, Prince Paul was said something. I'm in the background as the DJ. It should rightfully go to Daddy O and Delight. Right. So, like I said, it's people from the outside, and the questions kept on coming to me, and I was mm-hmm. like, no, it's it, it's not about it's me. It's not about yeah. me. It's about it's about the group and da-da-da-da. So I think from that perspective, it was like that. But they've been very supportive. Like I said, you know, Daddy O, I had him shop De La Soul while he was shopping one of his acts during mm-hmm. the time. I don't think nobody knew it was gonna be as big as it was. I didn't know. And you were a part of set for all three albums, right? I've never quit Stet. There was never right. any part where I sent it in my resignation, my resignation letter, <laughs> which I had to literally send as a letter. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never done that. I've always been in the band. I've never quit. I've always played my part, you know. So you didn't miss no time. Like, 91, like, that's when Stet's third album, De La Soul's second album, you know what I mean? There's a lot of expectation coming off of De La, and you haven't missed a beat with that? Nah, I mean, Stet broke itself up. Uh huh.
1: Because, you know, when you come together as a band as big as we were, you know, at full capacity, of six man deep, you know what I'm saying? It gets hectic, because everybody has their ideas, everybody has a perspective on how things should go. Some people think we should go by the original formula, some think we should expand the formula. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember Dadio being very progressive, you know, he's like, yo man, we gotta change our outfits. And he, he had these like silk shirts and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I can't rock that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so influence was coming from everywhere. You know what I'm saying? And that's part of the reason why Faquan left the group, you know. Did he leave first? He left first. He was on the third album? No. Okay. Yeah, he, he left first. And it was just a part of just ideas and expanding and wanting. Wanted to be respected and wanted to share ideas and move forward. And so it it was all encompassing. So we were falling apart little by little. I think Daddy-O, rightfully so, is the man of the group and I guess felt to be more prominent. Mm -hmm. And so that was it. Then I was doing my thing, which even though I'm still in Stet, my creative focus was more on my outside project. Right, because sonic wasn't ever really leaning on you creatively anyway. Nah, I did some stuff. I produced some stuff, but I never really got deep into it. What I will say, a fun fact, is for talking all that jazz, even though we didn't get credit, I had Brunt Newkirk in. He played the keyboard, and oh, I okay. and I did the beats and everything, but I never got uh, credit for that, wow. nor writer's credit <sighs> for that. Same thing with Sally. Some people don't like the way ting, 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 Sally. That music was a remix we was doing for a song, for, I think, off the first album. Mm-hmm. It was the music for the remix. I put the samples together in SB12, and Fruquan had programmed the, the pattern for the drum machine. And I never got credit for that either. And it's things, like I said, things you learn. Like I didn't know that, and nobody told me, was that writing music... Is not just lyrics. I thought when I was younger, it was just lyrics. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of songs I let go and never got writer's credit because I never knew that writing, putting music together was, was writer. Right. I didn't know that. And nobody bothered to correct me either. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Nobody stops. Hey, Paul, you did whatever. You should become a writer. It was not,
0: hey, right. Paul, you know what? I owe you money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never got that right. letter in the mail. <laughs> I want to hear a little bit of talking all that jazz. Let me play a little bit of that song. So, is that New Kirk
1: playing? Yeah, it's New Kirk, man. Uh, brought him in. I'd say it was Delight's idea to, to replay, to put a melody. Do um, was an expansion. One of my little friends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's how it started. Heard you on the radio, talking about rap, saying all that crap about how we
0: sample. Give an example. We'll let you get away with that. You criticize our method how we make records. You said it wasn't art, so now we're going to rip you apart. Stop. Check it out, my man. This is the music of a hip-hop band. Jazz. Well, you can call it that. But this jazz retains a new format. Point. Man. I always really liked that song. And aside from just how dope it is, it just had that kind of like demand for respect for hip-hop in it.
1: Like, yeah, Daddy's amazing. He's an amazing writer. He 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 wrote the lyrics to that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it has been such a refrain. It's happened over and over again because there's always people shitting on hip hop as a genre. And it was like one of the earliest things I heard. It was like, yo, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But said so eloquently.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except Daddy does this thing. And it was definitely inspired by uh, I think this interview that M. Tume had on the radio and was talking just about how hip hop wasn't a real viable source of music you know what I'm saying so yeah and he responded to it passionately and that's what came out of it you know so yeah it was uh those are good times man like I you know I'm not gonna sit here and talk about like man this happened I got this and I only got paid whatever I learned so much Mm -hmm. and it was a lot of fun I got to see the world we traveled overseas we obviously traveled the states I got to meet a lot of bands and a lot of people but it was equal, yin and yang, from the bad
0: that was good. And I learned from both sides right. <laughs> and pushed on. If you listen to the sounds of these records, like we were saying, it very much sounds like the time. If you had to put it in your own words, what would you say is like how the sound changed between that era and the era that came like right after? I think the technology
1: of sampling. Because if you're talking about right after, if you listen to Jesse Stat, which was maybe like, two years before it's like yeah it's like just drums no swing <laughs> you know we didn't know that there was velocity on the drums mm. high low change the swing up. dynamics it, that they're, they're like, you know the drum the drums could go you know not you know so there was little things oh man we could loop we could take this technology take something and kind of just loop it around like even that and looping it on time, like if, if we did have a sample, it was all manual on the keyboard, you just put it in, press the button. And press it on time every time. Every time. Yeah. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? And so we learned SMPTE code, which was a code that you put on tape. So the sequencers would follow on time. It so would, they it would, would all
0: be like a master and every machine would follow
1: the same yeah, time code. Yeah. And that technology, it was just learning technology was able to expand creative side Mm -hmm. because even from that like i said learning the technology and me going to school helped a lot but more less i guess just sitting there and just daydreaming like man be cool if i could like make a car with play-doh and drive (laughs) so your wildest fantasies and making music man if i could just take a snare reverse it put a reverb and then a gated and that's all where it starts and then you take the technology and you figure it out Mm -hmm. and that's how everything propelled that's why why you hear the difference in the errors okay. even today you know the technology i wouldn't say pushes the creativity forward
0: but it definitely pushes the sound forward. Got you and i want to end on a question like a it's like a general hip-hop theory question you know what do you think happened to the hip-hop group um
1: spotlight mm. you know what i'm saying it's like it, it, this is definitely the not just the me Too era, it's the me era. Yeah. You know, the selfie, the this, the that, you know, me, me, me. I get to promote myself on my Instagram account. My Instagram account's about me. Right. I could put other stuff about, it, but don't get it twisted. I started this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Especially if it generates money. You know what I'm saying? Right. I started. So I think it's focus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like what? You get in a group, what, to go solo? How many how many times that happened The more <laughs> to groups? Almost every group. Right. somebody did a solo record, you know, so man, I could skip the group and just do me, you know, it's, I, I think that has a lot to do with it. It just cuts out all the fat, you know, and then like-mindedness. Also having the ability to not need to collaborate. You could just take the laptop, be in your house and just record. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to the studio. You don't need anybody's help. You don't need this. You don't need that. Everything's so self-contained. So why am I going out? To do something i could learn how to engineer on my own i could do this raps on my own i could everything is right there so you don't need the ability to go out and even talk to anybody kids now man they have problems communicating based
0: upon their texting all the time right. so what do you think is missing do you think anything's missing now that we don't have that where you don't come into the industry as part of like a unit anymore like you kind of come in as a solo act for the most part like what do you think that that leaves something to be desired I think there's something to be said about collaboration and
1: sharing ideas and, and getting dissed, you know, like somebody, yo, you whack or, you know what, I think you put a little bit too much butter in. But if I put a little bit of molasses in it, then it's like, oh, my God, these cakes are delicious. Wow. You know, there's something beautiful about that. But it definitely takes a stronger sense of self and got to put your ego to the side. Right. Like I said, we were talking about back in the days, oh, suck a kid, duck kid. Like now I I, had went to the counselor, you know, (laughs) nowadays, you know, those kids got expelled. They put us in a room together. Paul, (laughs) They called me a duck kid, (laughs) you know, it's okay. We're going to give everybody a ribbon (laughs) because we're all winners. (laughs) We, we, We would all be Paul Strong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I don't know, man. I just my kids are on the regular. They love. Me. Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, I snap on my daughter and my son. What do what you What do you tell them? You know, everything starts up. Like, Yo, man. Those are- we wait for, for irons to come in cans. You know, is like, <laughs> why your joints so wrinkly? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, we're just getting on each other, you know, daily. <laughs> it's beautiful. And, and I love who they are based on that because they're not weak. So, when little right. kids come in school and they're like, oh, they're like, yeah, right, whatever, right. <laughs> whatever.
0: You know, it doesn't, I don't get like, oh, he said, da, da, da. I never got that. Mm. Well, it seems like a lot of that is due to a lot of your fortitude, a lot of your confidence it's due to your time in sonic, and how you kind of had to deal with a little bit of hazing, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> being from being the duck DJ kid <laughs> to being the kid who's got to sit in the lobby at <laughs> oh. the hotel. Oh, let
1: me tell you just real quick. You're talking about sitting in the hotel. We went to Mr. Magic Rap Attack. like He had a, his radio show. Yeah. Went there twice. Now, mind you, I live in Long Island. I live about like an hour and some change away from the city. Every time I went there, we're going to interview sets Society, Super Listeners. And as soon as I get on, All right. Delight, Daddy-O. wise DJ, you stay out here. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't what? even come in there. No. You, no. Oh. And I traveled all the way from Long Island, which was Dang. a few hours out. and. Man, not that say fool me once. <laughs> I got fooled every time that I went there, thinking I was going to get inside that. Man, I sat out in that thing. In the mind, it's like 12 at night, you know, oh one in the morning. God. I got school the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Magic was playing you. What?
0: Oh, that's terrible. Hocus man.
1: pocus, man. I, I got dissed. <laughs> You know, but I got used to it. You You know, I I didn't accept it, but I I knew that there was a strong chance of me getting dissed.
0: (laughs) Nobody wanted to go with me to the dance. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, you learned how not to take it all personal. And it seems like you took the lesson of, okay, if my ideas aren't accepted here, well, I'm just going to do my ideas somewhere else. And you're able to make a whole career. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, thank God. You, you know, know, my, my whole, bulk, the bulk of my career
1: and starting with Stat, and I thank Stat for a lot of things, is me feeling I always had to prove myself mm-hmm. in every record every situation. There's a common thread in all these things that we talk about on the podcast. It's always a sense of insecurity and not being totally sure of yourself right you know what i'm saying of any project or anything and getting smacked down that my whole career's been that is me having to prove myself so me actually sitting here talking about stuff and you're willing to listen to these stories <laughs> it's is, amazing, yeah. is amazing to me because i've been smacked down almost every time mm-hmm. you know and, and so you figure You know, in most cases people go, Well, man, I had this success and you you know, I could name a lot of my accolades, like I could write them down and go, wow, that's pretty impressive. Looks good on paper. But there's still a sense of like I have yet to accomplish. What I think I can accomplish, like those are cool, and I'm not like n- don't appreciate it or anything like that. But it's always feeling like having to prove myself. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm still that duck kid that, you know, <laughs> that's walking to school. It's like, it's like a DJ, sucker, a, sucker, a, sucker, a, <laughs> uh, uh, duck kid.
0: <laughs> well, you made it through the rain, Paul. we glad we're glad you did. And shout out to Stessa Sonic, three oh, incredible yeah. albums. Definitely love Stessa Sonic. Great you know guys, mean, man. Shout out to Fruquan, Wise, Daddy-O, GBC. Oh, DBC, the devastating beat creator. Yeah. And yeah, check out all of that music. It's on Spotify. It's on streaming services. You know what I mean? Add them players up so they can divide them pennies six ways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: thanks. (laughs) I get another VCR.
0: (laughs) And that'll conclude uh, this episode of What Had Happened Was. We talked about that's Sonic. And as always, throw us like, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Send us feedback on the Twitter machines. Where do people find you on the internet, Paul? Everything is at DJ Prince Paul.
1: And I'm bad, people. I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm so anti-social media because I, I, I don't respond. I, I, uh, I post everything real haphazardly. <laughs> but I'm getting better. Well, Watch. I'm going to get better.
0: And if you respond, maybe he'll be better by then. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's because I'm insecure.
0: (laughs) All right, y'all. And uh, we'll catch you next week. This has been What Had Happened Was. I'm Open Mike Eagle. That's Mr. Prince Paul. Yep, yep. All right, see you next time.